All right. Hey, everyone. This is the third Farlore episode of the SASCast. God has been like, I, I checked the logs. It's been like almost three months between these. Uh, but hey, we've got plenty of shadows in the meantime. And we're back. So we're doing uh, Blood Price Part 2 in the room tonight. I'm uh, Kevin, a.k.a. Last Rochester. Um I'm the DM slash GM of Farline Blood Price. I am uh, Dylan, a.k.a. Halbernock. I play Maho the Wizard, a.k.a. Designated Best Girl of this campaign. Also, technically female PC, so... Yeah. Uh, I'm Tom. I play... I go by Nivrad on Discord, and I play Wolfen. Matt here, Unplayable Trash Panda, and in this campaign, I'm pretty sure I played Viserys. I'm pretty sure. Which has been renamed into Vice... I he got a cool nick. He got a cool nickname. Viserys Vice. I still do want to do like a far line, like boat themed, like police campaign with like drug running and dumb shit. After he got his job as a private investigator, he thought it would be pertinent to uh, brand to brand what? his uh, investigation services. Well, wasn't that Shadows anyway? <laughs> no, no, Shadows was committing crime. This is oh, oh. there's a difference. Uh, Dragonhold Vice Squad is the entertainment district. Uh, branch of the city watch so hey all right yeah. so True. bit of a recap from where we left off uh the party uh vice just learned his destiny as chosen one of various multiple gods uh and, the chosen one. and uh, the party is going to go to chusei to satisfy wolfen's uh, unstoppable racism against chuseans yeah, and Maho was there too. Also, we have uh, totally justified. Though. Totally justified. Uh, Doc will be showing up tonight as well. He plays uh, Ironsides. Uh, we'll see when he comes in. We'll let, him, we'll let you know. <laughs> you mean Wolfen's best friend, who he was terrible at being best friends to? Wolfen was terrible about being people a lot of the time. He was not a very good person. He is still not a very good person. Nope. But he means well. He means well. Sort of. Sort of. Yep, totally. All right. So uh, Kevin's got us a little outline. And let's, let's oh, God, talk about, let's start from the top. Um, I'll get you. Taco Bell every time. Yeah, that was a mistake. All right, hold on. Tom wanted to see this outline without the without the boobs. Yeah, I, 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 I see like stealth titty. I mean, you, I see how it is. See how it be. I guess stealth implies hidden. It's it's there. No, it's there. Yeah, you just gotta look. I'm also, no nipples. I'm also probably gonna leave no this nip. in the audio too. Uh, I see no nip art. <laughs> no, no nips. Not a fan. It's a uh, it's it's a dude. So he can't draw nips. He can't draw nips on it. Thank he, you. He lost. If it doesn't have work. nips. It's safe for work, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. If it doesn't. <laughs> Well, I I don't know. <laughs> my boss is like Dylan. Why is there a gape on your screen? I'm like, there's no nipples. It's like get back to work. <laughs> get back to work. Nothing to see here. Get back to work. <laughs> well, sounds about right. Uh, now closing my important document. Um, Pornography. Right. Yes, my incredibly important document, and looking at the outline for uh, blood price. So last time, yeah, we uh, we left off. With Vice just finding out that he is uh, the grandson of the Night Lord. And basically the party was getting ready. They had collected the uh, the seven deadly weapons, which uh, are honestly 
really stupid. I'm just going to retcon that there aren't any of those. <laughs> I don't <laughs> honestly, ones, I don't remember any of them. The only ones that matter, the only ones that matter is Necris, which uh, Vice wields, and uh, Xanth, which uh, Kane wields. Was it, yeah. I don't that, remember them, but if I had to hazard a guess, was the whip, was Lust a whip? Yeah, it was. Yeah. All right, cool. I just yep. remember the one that Matt got being like, really fucking necromancy yeah and also let him do like a whole lot of like negative energy channeling stuff so he could actually heal himself for once yeah uh so necris <laughs> necris was this incredibly powerful artifact long sword uh that um had a connection to Nazlordu and allowed vice to uh channel and uh disrupt and dominate undead it was like the unbinding and binding is a sword to rule all undead or whatever, I guess. QAG um, <laughs> trying to find that sword. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, God. He'd pop like eight boners for that sword, even if it's still around. Well, it might be out there somewhere. Oh. Uh, and, uh, and like this was after Vice was uh, taken by the Night Lord and uh, things were done to him, mysterious things were done to him. Yeah, we never uh, really got clarification there, on what there, happened. There, there you guys like, can find out later. There was like a good, like, I want to say like session two where we're like, is Vice dead? Is Tom, is Matt just going to roll up like a new yeah. dude or what's happening? Yeah. Can yeah. we do stuff and it's like, well, Matt's in sad torture jail. Like, oh, okay. And in classic fashion of uh, NPCs being in sad torture jail, uh, they come back even stronger. Yeah, Kevin, you really like and sad torture jail. filled with rage. <laughs> With more powers than all this other stuff. I love Sad Torture Jail. I, so uh, I, I like weird body horror in my campaigns. Kevin likes Sad Torture Jail. We're simple. I just like bondage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> except for Wolf and Sad Torture Jail is just getting butt plugged. It was getting pegged to continuously. I was getting pegged with rhinoceros horns and having his tattoos like skinned off of them. It built. It built. It was character. not a good time. No, if it, it cool. if anything, it just solidified his absolute hatred of the Chuseans. Right, that was definitely like a key part of uh, you know starting all that, all that hate against uh, the two Saiyans for good reason. I mean, and reason. also, I mean, everybody hates ninjas. Like yeah. everybody yeah. in the party hated ninjas. Yeah, I thought we, everyone loves ninjas. We still hate ninjas, and the te- I mean, technically, Asian <laughs> uh, wants ninja powers because he is poor Rada, super jelly, going down uh, the darkest of paths. Necromancy. Uh, you're gonna learn necromancy and ninjutsu, two forbidden arts. He's gonna summon Ninjik- some right, gonna- It's decided <laughs> my next character skeletons? is a ninja. Oh baby! And he's gonna go full but Naruto. He's not gonna be an edge lord ninja. Yeah, he's gonna be a Naruto ninja. Oh my yeah. god! All right, Believe well, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> Believe I'm not right it. Now. Okay. I mean, if you if you get the team to quit, you oh, win yeah. the campaign, right? Oh Jesus! <laughs> That's how that works. I feel like I feel like my next character needs to be somebody who is like the complete polar opposite of how much anger <laughs> most of my characters are. There's I, a lot of anger. I think it's, it's I think it's really cool to challenge yourself with role playing. I found that since I've been trying to play non Edwards, I have enjoyed D and D again. <laughs> so it's been really. Nice. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know for a long time I used D&D as a catharsis to get out a lot of my oh, yeah. anger issues, but now it's just like, it's such like a kind of, well, I guess the betrayal part of it is different, but I feel like I explore a lot more of the uh, 
of like not just being angry about everything, but more so having specific things that are that bother my characters. It's the multi-campaign healing process from Kingmaker. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> we should honestly do at some point just like an in-between podcast. We just talk about like how we like role play and stuff. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. You, you mean like a, a cannon fodder-esque between episodes thing? Yeah, that'd be cool. I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of sleepy cast, so like I say, just like no holds bar, just like one rough topic fucking go for an hour and a half. Yeah. Oh. Cool. I don't know how much this is staying in though. Anyway, we're playing Blood Price. Sleepy cast, just just really quickly. Is that a Rice Pirates? Yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Uh all right. Uh yeah, so back at it. Um just digging real deep into uh uh, Wolfen's asshole with the rhino, we know. Well, Wolfen's <laughs> asshole for rhinoceros horn. So it's a big asshole. So to summarize, the party got like really strong and awesome. Malik Ironsides was dead at this point. And um uh Doc was playing a new Strix gunslinger, and we'll get back to uh Ironsides a little bit later. Um but <laughs> you guys were kind of ready, the party was ready to invade Chusei. And the plan to invade Chusei that Dorminia came up with was they made this incredibly large, elaborate airship that was like the grand airship of the whole airship fleet. And it played like sweet airship music from Final Fantasy, like wherever it went, you know, it was awesome. <laughs> um, and they, uh, it, it was it was run, it was captained by the Mages Union and uh, the leader of the Mages Union in uh, Dragonhold was uh, Curtis Edge. So the Archmage Curtis Edge uh, grandson of Cliff Edge. We covered this in the last podcast. Yep. Curtis, but, Curtis, the the Thunderlord Sid Edge. Oh yeah, <laughs> he was definitely Sid. He was definitely Sid. Yep. T G C E. Uh, <laughs> but instead of using a spear, he just uh, fucked on people with magic. Uh, most I mean, definitely. that's pretty much what Sid does, anyways. If you build a and uh, the party all got into airship, and going along with them on the airship was the Steel Legion with like tanks and all this other stuff. And Castle. So Castle KS also went with the party. And there was like some role play that went on with like people talking to Castle, learning about the Spear of Time, because he was he was Wolfen wielding the Spear of Time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh Wolfen and Castle actually were like pretty cool with each other. Yeah, they did kind of get along until and uh you know, both were in that camp of being totally a hundred percent balanced and not at all like oh, a yeah, little overtuned. Yeah, well, yeah, definitely. Um, and uh, they they flew the airship to Chusei and at the Imperial Capital. And in order to invade the Imperial Capital, this is like the best part of uh, that whole session, was they loaded everyone into bullets <laughs> and fired them into the Capitol. I just realized how this got. That, that, right? That sounds we like did some straight up dead or like dead drop into uh hell dropper level shit into yeah. the true saying yeah so yeah they literally fired cannons into the capital uh and they were using like magic missile cannons to like fight like uh uh all of the uh archers and stuff like on the castle and all the cannons and stuff and it was like a really cool fight uh, when you can make cannons that are essentially just uh, like level one ex or like expert EMC, uh, NPCs with magic use and level one wands of magic missile, yeah. eventually you'll kill people. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. You don't even have to aim. 
You just have to keep pulling the trigger. And Literally, you can die. just kill anything eventually. I'm pretty yep. sure the only reason Dragonhold didn't take over all Chusei because they just had other shit going on. Because they could have. Like, how the fuck are samurai supposed to compete with hey, that? I, it's never been the point to take over. It's always been subjugation. Like Subjugation, yeah. Dorminia in general, from what I've seen and what I'm assuming is kind of their thematic thing, that I, at least is my theory uh, on Kevin's side of things, is like, they're very much like uh, British Empire imperialism of like establishing like their influence in an area and then basically controlling its political and cultural uh, situation while yeah. taking it for resources. It's, it's all about governance. And yeah, like this uh, pseudo colonialism. And, and it becomes too like if you go over it, like taking over the world is super impractical. Because oh, yeah, it yeah. takes so much manpower and yeah. bureaucracy that being able to uh, relegate it or have the population you take over basically govern itself and fight itself, it's much easier than actually taking over everywhere. I got you. That so. assumes free will. Mm, dun, dun, dun. I also assume that at the end of Sengoku 2, we're like, we finally get it, guys. We got piece of Chusei. And then it's like, and a big airship's on the horizon <laughs> and the campaign ends. <laughs> I think uh, the ending of Sengoku 2 will be really interesting. Uh, but in order for that to happen, everything that happened in Blood Price had to happen, including when the party landed in the castle, one of the first people they fought was um, the, uh, the Chugo Lord, so Akame's father. Uh, and he actually had a Kami spirit that was like a guardian spirit with, with like a sweet bow and stuff like that and uh, that was one of the boss fights if i remember correctly we pretty much hasted up and then absolutely shit on Dunked that on him yes yeah. that was yeah. absolutely the chusei yeah. castle wasn't bad also jumi mountain was hard yeah correct Fuck yes <laughs> what yeah. year did we do this it's been a while we're old men yeah, it's we have been a gaming group together for Sorry, yeah. just trying to straight up a decade. Stuff. I, I mean, uh, like Tom being seven years old still has to like take care of us in this nursing home. But. <laughs> yes, thank you. It's hard to believe that I began playing with you guys when I was 16, driving up for, and playing one shot characters in your guys' game. Yeah, Man, that was like so long yeah, ago. It's called grooming. You're welcome. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay, well, yeah, that is what it is. That's That's true. That is truth. Um, so yeah, and uh, yeah, you guys dunked on him, and uh, you took over the capital only to find out that the Yomi Shogun wasn't there. The Yomi Shogun was doing some crazy shit up on Esajumi Mountain, and the party gave chase along with Castle. Like you guys all went up to Esajumi Mountain, and you can't forget that big fuck off black dragon that he rode around. Um, Shimmer Gloom? Yeah, that's right. Castle was running around on Shimmer Gloom. <laughs> yeah, the entire time. He was. We, uh, that's we, right. We gotta, yeah. I forget if Castle's still alive or not. We gotta stop him at some point. No, <laughs> Castle dead. disappeared. Oh, yeah. yeah he's fucking, he's it, fucking, he died. Is he before. actually dead or is he gone? Because uh, he disappeared, but we never got confirmation as to what happened to him. So, meta wise, uh, in Warden's Path, the Wardens actually find Castle in hell. Yeah, so uh, he is uh, eternally suffering in hell. Because I for oh yeah, because he did like dimension warp uh, the uh, the Chugo um, Shogun. 
or the Yomi Shogun yeah. with him to a different dimension because it was the fucking <laughs> the Yomi Shogun was a goddamn he's space. A, he's, a, he's a void, a void Oni, yeah. void Yai, actually, yeah. Like, Which is like yeah, it's like CR twenty, yeah. and like yeah. even though we were like level like twelve or thirteen with like. I think we may have had some mythic stuff at this point because that was right around the time those rules started coming out. Yeah. Um, it was still, it's insane. Like, there's no way we so, were winning. So Castle pulls, like, this uh, Gandalf versus the Balrog and uses a Spear of Time to, That's like, right. yeah. time stop him and, like, the Void Oni in, like, an alternate timeline where they fought to the death. Castle was flying around on Shimmer Gloom with the Spear of Time? Yeah. yeah. Broke as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he, he had a he had the black dragon orb, which allowed him to uh, control. Yeah, yeah. Well, I look at I still have Maho sheet, so we we did. I end heard that's level 12. missing now. <laughs> there's a lot of shit missing. There's yeah. a, there's a I just of... hope that he killed the void guy before he died. <laughs> he <laughs> because did if that, because okay because Castle came back like that wasn't the end of Castle in the campaign. Yeah, he came true. back. And he still had the Spear of Time, and the Void guy was gone. He was fucking gone. And, then the uh, and meanwhile, while he was fighting that, the party was fighting Shokashira, the Hydra demon that had been resurrected with the destruction of the Hydra Blade and was being, like, possessed and controlled by Helgana. Helgana, the entire time, wanted to get the power of Shokashira, this this Chusean demon of ice and winter and hatred and stuff, and use its power to fuck over everyone. Quick refresher. Which who is Helgana? Helgana is a winter witch of. Uh, oh, Sarnath. she was the one. Yeah, she was the one up that had the uh, the, the gargoyle, ice gargoyle like yeah. field. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that was Daisy's character's like not origin but, story. Yeah, like yeah, like her, her senpai or whatever. Kinda. Yeah, yeah. As, uh, she's making witches by kidnapping children, kind of thing. Exactly. She was kind of like a Baba Yaga, like kind of character, and she wanted to stop Wolfen because she sort of got like a a prophecy from the Mothwood that Wolfen would eventually get the Hydra Blade himself. And well, we all know how that turns out. So she actually fought the party while you guys were trying to escape Kelda a couple times using like those gargoyles and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, I think. Oh, yeah, she did attack. Uh, wasn't she the one that attacked us on that ice lake? Yep. And yep. Like, and Wolfen like dived underwater. Yeah, and yeah, her under yeah. Yep. And tried to drown her, which I thought was just like one of the funnest like it was cool. fights that I've done, where I just tried to drown someone because was I was immune funny. to the cold. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, Daisy's character, Amelise, kind of had to make a decision whether or not she wanted to stick with good old mom or like <laughs> become independent, become her own witch and help out uh, Wolfen. Spoilers. She's a witch. She's a <laughs> what happened? Spoilers, of course, stuck with the party. Yeah. So. Oh, right. Yeah. This series was like watching and he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay, this is fine, I guess. This is great. Here's a list um, of things that are fine. Not fucking this. <laughs> uh, so, Wolfen and the party kill Helgana. Wolfen reforges Shokashira into the Hydra Blade, and he takes the Hydra Blade, and he becomes like Chugo's chosen wielder of the Hydra Blade, this demonic nine branch sword that takes it, it takes three normal hands to wield. You need to be strength twenty four to even swing it and stuff like that. 
the blade is actually like nine feet long, like ridiculous. I, I think at this perfect. point, I I had permanency in large person at this point I as well. So, so like I was giant form or something. Well, I had I hadn't got the mask of giant form yet, or no, I had I had gotten the mask of giant form from, or no, we got that when we got back to Sardonia, I believe, from my dad after we got him out of the menagerie. Sounds about right. Also, one thing too before we move on from Messajumi. I, me and my goldfish brain, I don't remember much about this campaign. I distinctly remember Wolfen and I believe Dog's character getting fucking feeble-minded through this battle. And that was annoying. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Well, I mean, it didn't really matter for Wolfen, though, because he just so, continued fighting. The, the fight was cool because basically Shokashira is this nine-headed Hydra demon monster. And each head got like an action of like attacking, like breathing like cold ice damage. And then Helgana herself was also like this weird symbiote on top of it, casting witch spells, like really high level witch spells, which are, uh, yeah, feeble minds, pretty fucking awesome. Yep. Yeah, you remember that time that, or that time in Matt's campaign where we made a underworld <laughs> dragon, a crying spells. little bitch, Fuck it. hiding in its daddy's body. Matt should have yeah. just been like, it made it safe because man, oh man, we fucked up. I, that I dragon. mean, to be fair, we were already crying little bitches of that dragon for like a session and a half. So like, yeah, because I had been gone for like one of the sessions where you guys first tried to fight it. I think you guys ended up like we had ended up trying to teleport in and fight it like five different times. It was rough. <laughs> Speaking about rough, remember when we retook Kelp? <laughs> Okay. Yeah, yeah, so I, I know we're going to tangent a bunch. I'm I, I don't know how to run a podcast, so I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to direct things. But we oh. got the uh, we got the Hydra Blade, and I, I remember there being like the way I was unlock or like unlocking the abilities was we basically had to fight or like I had to fight stuff and get the killing blow on it that yeah. was like of our level yeah yeah like a significant challenge kind of thing so cut to me constantly trying to fight people who were of our strength level so i could unlock champion of the blade yeah because you know that's different behavior from normal wolfen who wants to fight everything (laughs) closest up true but it was more of like the meta for me was me wanting to fight everyone i could (laughs) So that is how Chusei ended up falling, and that was the fall of the Yomi Shogun. So whenever it's in Goku 2, I refer to the fall of the Yomi Shogunate, that is that. <laughs> Which is like, like just on like a, like a governmental level, is a super like fucking like brutal way to lose your entire infrastructure as a government, yeah, where literally... Yeah. All the yeah. royal families and royal equivalents get wiped out in a single day. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you guys, like, destroyed, like, the entire... Because not only did you do the assassination, right? The Dorminians were also invading at the same time. So they had other airships dropping, like, tanks into, like, parts of, like, the capital province and, like, in the east and stuff like that. And just, like, running over, like, people and, like, taking over, like, villages and towns and cities and stuff. And timeline-wise, from Sengoku 2, this is what, like, uh, it was, like, 10, 20 years years ago? Yeah, and they're still on the same technological level, essentially, that they were back then. Uh, Yeah, there was really a lot of innovation. We kind of fucked up a country, like, almost beyond repair for, like, 15, 20 years. Let's be fair. Chusei's been fucked up for a long time before we got here. He was doing okay. (laughs) 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so after you guys retake Chusei, it's time to retake Kelda. And like the, the, you know, the task force that is like formed or whatever, uh, you guys all piled back onto the capital airship, which I think is like the Phoenix or something like that. Um, and you fly that over to, to Sardon and to Kelda. And, and we went to we went to the um, to Jarl's port first. If yeah, I remember right? Yeah, and you guys fought your way through that first, and that was like a lot of there were like shapeshifters there, and actually, I think that's where you guys actually fight Lord Tardale for the first time because <laughs> you guys fight Lord Tardale a little bit earlier than what I have in this outline. Can't really remember when, but certainly there's a fight before you guys got to Dorter where you fight Lord Tardale, who's like this vampire lord, and he has Morgana, who is who was revealed to be Vice's mother, uh, turned into a thrall, into a vampire thrall. And uh, Vice is forced to kill his own mother, who has turned into a vampire, and then kill Lord Tardale, or try to kill Lord Tardale, because... You guys like kill him. He turns into a bunch of bloody bats and flies away. You know, you know the whole fucking story. Like a yeah. vampire asshole. Yeah. yeah. Um, and thus, in this campaign, Vice has to has to claw <laughs> his way into the orphan club instead of being born into it. But I do remember distinctly that, like, when I was like, "Now Vice must deal the finishing blow to Morgana." Vice doesn't even hesitate and just like cuts her down. And she was, her. uh, she was, uh, she wasn't my mother anymore, you know? Yeah. And she wanted, she wanted that. She wanted to be, uh, you know, finished off. Like she didn't want to be undead. She wanted her sweet Noth Lordu baby to embrace his destiny and kill her. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, and wow. he did. So happy wow. ending. Wow. And this is when, uh, Vice's happy destiny day. <laughs> Vice's amulet slash locket is uh, finally unlocked. You know, this magical locket that has been locked since like the beginning of the campaign that allows him to channel and heal himself uh, for like half or whatever. It's finally revealed. He like opens it up and there's like a picture of uh, Kane Thank and Morgana in it, of course. Yeah. Of course. Um, Lama Ding Dong levels twists. What a twist. Mom, uh, <laughs> And after this, Wolfen starts using Shokashira and the Hydra Blade to just bring down the storm. Because, yeah, the Hydra Blade just has the power to generate Blizzard, which is an incredibly high-level weather control spell that just fucks off people and freezes. And it really does. It's, it's so fucking bludgeoning damage. It's ridiculously strong. And the and, funny thing about it, too, is like it doesn't, like, it doesn't limit anything from hitting the caster either. But at this point, Wolfen was so fucking yeah. stacked on because he had like uh, pauldrons of the juggernaut. He had inbuilt DR from being a barbarian. He had cold resistance from just being a half giant, and then as well the uh, the mass uh, the uh, mask of giant form. Oh, yeah. And so, like when he was standing in the blizzard, he would take maybe like two d six of damage. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Those fucking Azamar like resistance bonuses are pretty tight. Yeah, they are. And uh, then we, then we went to because if I remember correctly, the like the Chusean army or the Chusean occupation force 
really wasn't as much of an issue because of the Dorminian task force. Yeah, the only real issue we had was was Kenfu, Kofu, and yeah. Red Glacier. Yeah. So basically, it, this is interesting that you bring this up uh, because this was like a key point that Blizzard also affects the caster. Uh, Wolfen was actually the vanguard of the uh, the task force that was invading, that was retaking and liberating Kelda. And he would go first and use this blizzard to like wipe out like a majority of forces while the airship and the uh, the land forces would follow up with like the Steel Legion and they would like clean up everything, including the party because no one wants to be caught in a fucking blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing like a 30 minute blizzard followed by an entire army attacking you. Yeah, but you said oh, didn't have a fucking chance. Yeah, it was fucking brutal. Um, and uh, yeah, eventually everything is pretty smooth sailing until the party reaches Dorder, and finally now Wolfen has to face the field marshal of the the Yomi forces, the Jusayan forces in Kelda. Field marshal, uh, Stoneface Kofu. And, and his brother uh kenfu who was man kenfu was a fucking trip man Jesus everyone man. loves ninjas kenfu's a fucking asshole kenfu was awesome he was just like fucking invisible comes out of invisibility throws like eight shurikens you lose eight constitution it really sucks <laughs> yep what a cool character that, that, that whole build of the last campaign we're like wow isn't this cool it wrecks our enemies this can't be really oh god it wrecks us it wrecks us why is it so good <laughs> so good god no uh and also the party had to fight red glacier for the last time they had to fight uh quote-unquote king Geralt, who was just a cavalier um, <laughs> so that was the thing too that i yeah. i don't know if like maybe i'm blanking out of my memory but i no. never understood how anyone confused this like imposter Geralt for my dad <laughs> yeah i think your dad was just so bad being a king they would take an imposter over him. <laughs> yeah like that was the thing too like which was always like a permanent reminder of how shitty i rolled back then just because everyone's like yeah, he's nice enough, but he's a super shitty king. So yeah. He's like, like, I've tried my best. So the guy's like, I'm Geralt. And they're like, it couldn't be worse than the girl. <laughs> you, well, you, you're a step up, even if you're fake. Therefore, them literally trying to find anybody else to replace him. Despite the fact that, like, under his, like, uh, under his, like, rule, they still, like, became like an economic and diplomatic like powerhouse mostly off of the back of Kane and yeah. Yeah. Kofu. Yeah, yeah. They, they grew That's up true. a town that was literally just like two potatoes and dirt, vodka. Two dirty Sasquatches in an inn and then turned into like a respectable kingdom. Like ten dirty Sasquatches and two inns. And I mean a big part of that was the fact that like <laughs> Geralt was a uh, was a fucking like bard. was a bard yeah. and like was making diplomatic deals to the point where he you know had a political marriage to the Jarls. I mean... He, want, he wanted that. Don't act like that was a political marriage. He wanted the giant snoo-snoo. Oh, no, for sure. He wanted giant snoo-snoo, but he also understood that it was definitely, like, beneficial to get giant right. snoo-snoo. Well, I guess if I have to, he puts on, like, the, like, shoulder-long rubber gloves. Yeah, he's like, Kane, make me this mask. Hurry. I gotta oh, do man. my duty, uh, I guess. I'll put it on the list, I guess. <laughs> 
Yeah, um, fucking fucking Kane, the three D printer of magic items yeah, that I got to Just 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 cover girl in those like icy hot packs you put in like your jacket to like keep your hair hands warm. Oh, so nice, so warm. Need I remind you that Geralt Elsom, first of his name, founder king, angel's blood, lancebearer, voice of the Boreas, champion of the long night, was, uh, you know, a good king. And a good friend. <laughs> and a good friend. It, Who was stuck was, in the menagerie, yeah. Yeah, he was a good king is generous. <laughs> Yeah. He was a, maybe benevolent, but he was just, he was just <laughs> he was mostly he's like ninety percent benevolent. That's yeah, he, true. he was he was benevolent. Out of all my characters in like the last ten years, I think he was by far the nicest. I, I wonder if we just broke Tom early, and now we're gonna see like this again with Malcolm, and just find out we just churn out like broken role players. <laughs> wow, it's a process. <laughs> Self-growth. I mean, I think I've definitely like definitely grown as a role player. Um and like definitely moved away from what I originally did. But I don't know. I like Geralt. He's he's great. Geralt is cool. I like that campaign. Anyways. <laughs> and so the party did find out that uh the king was not there, the queen was there, uh Wolfen's mom. But Geralt himself had been kidnapped by Magister Kane and was being held hostage in the menagerie. Which, okay, so just because we always talk about this shit, the wording on Kingmaker fucking menagerie is that it can accommodate any monster that you can put in it. Yeah. So literally, it does, or any any yeah. creature you can put in it. It gets so it does not matter. Sure. Yeah. If you can trick a Tarrasque into walking into the menagerie, you can just keep it there forever. It's accidentally a maximum security prison for one dude. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, like, <laughs> not, not just even one dude, because uh, uh, Geralt, first of his name, founder king, angel's blood, lance bearer, voice of the Boreas, champion of the long night, was situated right between the giraffes and the pandas. Oh, yeah. Oh, James is there? Yeah. Giraffes, say, right? <laughs> Too tall, right? Too I'll, tall. I'll start with the pandas. Of course. Never mind. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but uh, the best back to the, the Red Glacier fight. Best part of if the I remember correctly, I edit out my bad jokes. It's great. <laughs> if I remember for, correctly from the Red Glacier fight, um, Daisy like the, he had more trepidation over killing his like childhood friend. Oh yeah, boyfriend. That's because right. that's, that's who. That's who, uh, quote unquote, <laughs> Geralt was the leader of Red yeah. Glacier. Had more trouble killing him than her, like, uh, than her, uh, what was it, proxy uh, mom. Baba Yaga proxy her, mom? Her, yeah, well, Helgana's a fucking bitch. Yeah, she's kind of like a True. weird, creepy witch lady. Like, this guy was actually a person. Helgana's, like, actually, like, an evil winter witch who, like, if, if you were a bad child, she would make you into blood potion to keep herself infinitely immortal and youthful. Also, speaking of which, I need to learn that witch. recipe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just, I just want to put it out there that uh, I think I covered this in the last session, but Helgana and all of her children, all the followers of Helgana, all wore like these tight black corsets and like fishnets, despite being in frozen Australia and like negative twenty <laughs> yeah, degrees. Yeah, yeah, that they had the oh, American hot topic and follow far away. Oh. The thing that I wanted to make sure to remember to bring up was that after the Red Glacier and Kenfu fight, because 
that Kenfu and uh, the imposter Geralt were like one fight. And then I <laughs> I tried to challenge Kofu to a duel. Yeah, yeah that didn't go well. That did not go well. Yeah. It's, it's been Kofu. A couple Kofu was Matt's previous PC, and uh, he uh, he a real bitch to kill. <laughs> Kofu was a fucking badass. Okay, yeah, so like, yeah, like Wolfen like joke. is super strong. Yeah, but the thing is, Kofu is really strong, but also had like. Uh, had mythic levels that were more than ours. Yeah. Actually, I don't think Blood Price 2 we had mythic levels. We've, I think it was... No, yes. We've actually literally only used mythic levels for one campaign, and that was yeah. Matt's uh, Karamaga yeah. Spectacular. Yeah. yeah. But um, he he had like extra action stuff, and he was also level 14, where I think we were... We 13 at the time but the big problem with uh with wolfen was that he had a hard time staying alive yeah, <laughs> because yeah. because turns out barbarians with their like their faux health that goes away when they fall unconscious and die yeah, it's kind of a huge problem because yeah. i remember our battle plan was something to the extent of the vice would go in and be like super tank dude uh maho would go invisible summon a dude and then when the summon came in would then proceed to rocket uh wolfen to wherever he needed to be maybe switch those around and wolfen was basically a missile we pointed at things we wanted to die he was a single target dunking machine but the problem with kofu was he was a fucking like cavalier samurai and would like just do all uh, these whirling yeah. charges to where I could never get a full attack on him. Kofu. And his armor and defense was so high that it was like almost impossible for me to hit him with any you, you of my guys, lower accuracy you guys, are over here, you guys are over here in Sengoku 2 just fighting like Gokudo, which is just like Ronin and not even real samurai. Kofu, like despite being exiled and like sent to Kelda, was like a true Yomi samurai in his own time. And was like an archetypical samurai general, like a high-ranking samurai yeah. general warlord. Yeah, he is like on the same level as like Karama level strength. Yeah, that's definitely. why. That's why we have to take a trip up north and have Arata bring him back as a zombo. Well, it's right. too bad because uh, what actually happened was um, <laughs> so Wolfen, Wolfen kills the party kills Kofu. Yeah, because Rip. I started the blizzard and then eventually like. The party saw that I wasn't going to win and stepped yeah, in. Stepped in, yeah, yeah. And uh, so that was like that was where the fight turned. And yeah, after that we pretty and much Kofu was like, off. "I'm disappointed in you, Wolfen," and a Wolfen cut him down. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think if if it had gone, I don't think Kofu. I'm not sure Kofu would have killed Wolfen. Like out of respect for Geralt, I, I'm not sure he might have actually at that point. Yeah, I mean, he was, he, he was always the honor bound one. Yeah. I'm not and, sure. It would have been hard. Yeah, but uh, after we... Yeah, but after you kill Kofu... I feel like he would have given the honor of you, death in battle. I can see yeah. that. That's, yeah, that's where you, he went. You did actually resurrect Kofu. Yes, so Wolfen, like, he his whole, like, thought process to this whole thing and fighting Kofu is like... Because... <laughs> Even Kofu and Kane, like, even though all the shit they did, they were still like part of his family. And yeah. the, they were like the way I've always just like his uncles. Yeah. yeah. They were like his uncles. And to him, like, it's always been that like 
Family to him is the most important. It's like Full House, where like Geralt is like uh, killing Uncle Jesse and then bringing him back to life. (laughs) Well, Kane is like Uncle Jesse. Oh, so so I mean, it's like Fuller House then. (laughs) Maybe, maybe Kane is Uncle Joey. I don't know. But like he, uh, he, I always described him as being akin to like a pit bull protecting his family, of where like he will ferociously fight to defend them. But when it comes to them, he's like he's a big softy. Like Kane, Kane was like the fun uncle who always brought like awesome toys for like his yeah. birthday and Christmas and stuff. And Kofu was uh, like one of the Kofu was always one who gave him fun. like he's like here's a new pair of greaves for you. It's like, but uncle, I already have greaves, and he's he like slaps like will fit in the shins and he's like why aren't you wearing them then <laughs> yeah he was like he was times. like the hard he was like the tough love uncle who like yeah. taught through like pain <laughs> yeah but everyone, but everyone still loved him because he was like you know right because cool his uncle right and the power of bushido that yeah. and the fact that like at the end of the day uh Geral and Kane and Kofu were all friends, yeah. you know, and they worked together to build that country. And that's what Geralt always saw and not the like the other stuff behind it that caused like the issues later, you know. Yeah. Despite the fact so, that Kofu kind of accidentally doomed two countries. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so like, Wolfen Wolfen does resurrect Kofu and Kofu is like, well, uh my honor like already was finished. I lost that battle. Yeah. yeah, and the yeah, that's why I forgot. Big surprise. Yeah, was that Wolfen's uh, Wolfen's whole plan with that was if he brought him back, like Kofu had always been like, you know, it's my uh, my life bound or my honor bound duty to serve until death. And then he's yeah. like, well, you died, and I yeah. brought you, and we brought you back. That yeah. means you're free, right? And he's like, yeah. well, yeah. He's like, then stay and help us. And he's like, I can't. Kofu's like, no, <laughs> yeah, and Kofu left. He just, yeah, he just like disappears into like the blizzardy night. And he uh, also is like uh, eighty or ninety at this point. Too. Yeah, yeah, incredibly old, badass warrior. He is so fucking old. Yeah. Like literally the in the stone Kingmaker face, stone face Kofu. <laughs> yeah, Kingmaker like campaign. Totally. Like, we were literally looking up age brackets to make yeah. sure that he didn't like die of old age. Like I forget yeah. how long like, Bushido, okay. Like I forget how long in characters it went through, but I want to say it's at least five or ten. It was pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. like it was. He he. Oh, I think he went up to the na- next to the venerable age bracket for humans. Because I think so. It, like yeah. he actually had to adjust his stats. I think it basically did at least one year per session, and I know there was some at the very end. Like we're rolling the shit, Dylan. Come on, we want to do it another month, another month, please, Dylan, another month. Or, yeah, you know, because yeah, we have to get rid of those fucking drug dads. It's got worse. <laughs> It only got worse for That's us. Terrible. Jesus. All right. Uh, so where were we at? All right. So yeah. So Wolfen fucked off to like the western part of Sardonia, which literally like whereas like the central or like Dorder and like the central part of Sardonia is like like frozen Australia. Western Sardonia is like frozen Australia on frozen ice, <laughs> frozen <laughs> with out. like a bunch. Yeah, with a bunch of like exiled frost giants, Lenora worms, uh, purple worms, like all this like like fucking high level shit that's out there that they fight on a regular basis. And he's like, "That's where I'm gonna go." Yeah, basically, ice dune up there. 
lots of worms, lots of sadness. Pretty much. Oh, like Kofu? Yeah, Kofu like leaves. Yeah. He's like, peace. He's out. Which makes Wolfen super sad. Yep. So then the party. Yeah, because like <laughs> Kofu like turns his back on Wolfen and he's like, you know, still disappointed and like leaves and stuff. And I think the mindset there, like, I guess, or what the way I at least have interpreted it in hindsight is that like, yeah, his duty to his like his shogun lord is like done now because it ends in death. Yeah. But also that's part of like what his duty was to his yeah. his friends and like uh or to like the other people of Dorder. Like he didn't have that responsibility anymore. So it was just he didn't he didn't have any reason to stay. Yeah. And a part of him also because after this the next thing that uh the party had to do was go and fight Kane and Kofu didn't really want to fight Kane. Nobody wants to fight Kane. Nope. Yeah, nobody wants to fight Kane. Yeah. So now we get into the final Twilight Hours of uh, Blood Price. Where we uh, we went to the also not at all ill-advised uh, arena in Velos yeah. that was yeah, yeah, yeah. dedicated so, to Greta. That was another mistake. Nope. This city in the east, the east uh, of uh, Kelda, uh, was Velos. And Velos is uh, an awesome city because it has uh, two really cool things in it. It has, first of all, Kick University, which is uh, Kane's Institute for Creative Keldans. Uh, and it also had... It also had the Gradixian Blood Arena, Woo, the Colosseum, which is you know, awesome. just, just an arena. Because anything that has blood arena in the name isn't at all <laughs> evil. Just, just dedicated to the god of slaughter, no big deal. <laughs> and both those things like pulled in mad ducats, right? Yeah, exactly. Party. That's the whole reason we did it, is because it brought in more money. <laughs> when the party arrive at Velos, they find that the population has disappeared. Because basically the entire population of the city have been uh, turned into a uh, blender juice what? No to uh, power Kane's uh, <laughs> massive secret project. But in order to find out what the massive secret project is, they first have to deal with the, uh, the that issue of the name? arena. Which check? There was a chick that she was like... The head of the cult. Yeah, the Gradixian priestess that we fought there that we like... It wasn't a, it wasn't a chick, actually. It was a guy. It was... Uh, Arcadio. I, I was pretty whatever. sure it was a, a lady, but yeah, he, he was like he was like the mayor of. I, I think what you no. guys think of is in the first campaign. There's you guys found some people in tubes who were left over from the God War. And was oh like, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. yeah. originally a dude. Yeah. And you were like, why yeah. isn't it a chick? And I was like, all right, find a chick. And then <laughs> yeah, that's why the party uh, let her live. <laughs> you guys, I think you guys did fight her. Yeah, yeah, she was in, in the, the blood arena. pit as well because that's yeah. who I remember Wolf and fighting yeah. for that fight. Yep, yep. That's and, who he uh, got sent to dunk on. And Arcadio was like the mayor of Velos at the time and running like the arena. And he was kind of like this little finger Petter Baelish guy where he was actually like a Gridixian cultist and helping uh, helping Magister Kane siphon people into the arena to like use their blood to power the great project. And what was the great project? Well, first, we find out that Vice goes back home to his church and uh, finds that uh, Mother Maggie uh, is still there, actually, and like, like protecting and taking care of the orphans. And on Claring on Magister, on Magister Kane's uh, orders, the church was to be left alone, actually. 
Um, so hey, Vice, like, does he, he, he still re- have a heart? He he reunites with like his surrogate grandma mother because Mother Maggie was really old. Um, and uh, his uh, paladin daddy, though, I think died. Didn't Usain. He? Yeah. So she said that Usain was like in the mountains. Um, and later on, like after you guys defeated the arena fight and took care of the Gradixians there, it turned out the Colosseum was, uh, all of the blood and like terrible magic and necromancy and stuff was to power, dun, 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 Kane's great project, which was a clockwork colossus. It wasn't just one clockwork colossus either. It was, it was like two, two clockwork yeah. colossi. Big yeah. ones. It's fucking crazy. Also, um, this, like, that brings me back to remembering at the very beginning of Blood Price, where, like, we were, like, for some reason we had went, I think it was when we were meeting Maho, we had went to uh, Kane's workshop to go say hi to my uncle because he had something for me. Yep. And that's when he gave me, like, the double, the, the master yeah. key. Yeah, the <laughs> master del- key. The double-bladed adamantine sword at, like, what, level five or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Madness. and remembering that, like, remembering back to how he was, like, all distracted, he's like, yeah, I'm working on this giant project. I was like, oh, can I see it? And you're like, nah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Not ready yet. <laughs> Wolf is just like, okay, Uncle Kane. He's like, get out. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye now. Happy birthday. <laughs> um, Happy birthday. Now get the fuck out. I got shit to do. <laughs> and yeah, it turned out that Kane had been working on Colossi and they were going to come and destroy what was left of Chusei and uh, basically kill all life that was left in Kelda. In order to in, in order to usher in a new like reign of like undeath. See, see now Wolfen was racist, but he even he had some caps. There's some limits. Oh yeah, this at this point Kane was like full like mad scientist, like necromancy vampire cult guy. What what know? drove Kane here? Kane uh it so, has to do with his daddy, right? Daddy issues and vampirism. So at this time actually he was he was under control of Lord Tardale. Because Lord Tardale had made him his thrall. So he was like a vampire and like forced to follow Tardale's like orders and stuff. And he he had been like converted to, to Nas Lordu, basically. That's, that's, was, like, that's cool just because everyone killed Lord Tardale's wife, you know. <laughs> it's all fucked up. I mean, he was, all he was up, an asshole man. in both campaigns. So it's not like a, this is like a retribution or justified or anything. This is a, this is a dick who just continues to be a dick. Yeah, Tardale was actually like a real villain, like a true <laughs> evil villain. But um, he was also like the thing was about him was like he wasn't like he was evil enough in the sense that he was committed to trying to fuck over everybody. But he wasn't like most of the time he wasn't powerful enough that we considered him a threat to no- enough to follow through on making sure we killed him. Yeah. yeah, and then combining being a werebat with <laughs> straight up vampirism. So, yeah, that can, and just that, being that able to enough. fuck off. It was awesome. Uh, and another reason that like Kane was doing all this was because uh, after turning into a vampire and becoming like this undead like vampire lord, he realized that uh, he finally had a way of getting back at his father yeah, at uh, Ferris. <laughs> yeah. Daddy issues, yeah, one hundred percent daddy issues, and he wanted to he wanted to turn Kelda into this terrible necromantic wasteland, 
not only to like um uh kind of like what Tardale wanted to do as a leader of the cult of Nazlordu was uh fulfill the prophecy and bring back Nazlordu using vice but also uh Kane wanted to do it so that way he could eventually cross the sea and fuck on Karis yeah, fuck also- on to Colossi just like just on a pure like uh, regional area, Keldo would be a great fucking place for like to be an undead wasteland because oh, yeah, because yeah. like literally like it's right next to the realm of Nazlordu and yeah. ended up being and- like later being like a serious bastion against it. But at the time, yeah. it was literally just like there were mountains in the way, and that was and the only fact, reason. Yeah. Those colossi were built in the mountains, and Cain like. He had basically, like, during the time that the party was doing her stuff in, uh, in, in the south, in Dorminia and in Chusei and stuff, Cain, for his, like, great project, another part of that was going into the mountains, the, uh, the barrier mountains, and talking to the dwarves in the mountains, the uncrowned, who were, like, going through, like, a civil war. And he was taking, like, prisoners of war from that dwarven war like selling them arms and weapons, taking their prisoners and using their prisoners as slave labor to build the Colossi and then sacrificing them to power it with like magic and stuff. Which if I remember the young crowd essentially were like, you know, oh, we've dealt with this dude before. He's just looking out for us and taking yeah. and like, yeah, yeah. you know, taking care of our prisoners. That's great. Yeah. Like he's giving yeah. us stuff. We're t- oh, whoops. Prisoners. Oh, <laughs> shit. Our mountains are gone. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Also, and uh, yeah, I just I just realized that like every party member who's had kids, the kid always just ends up real fucked up. <laughs> um. Well, not yeah. saying that's a dialogue in life in general. Think, but, uh, so, uh, Bo- Bokran has fucked up kids. Yeah, Karis has fucked, fucked up kids. Kane has yeah. fucked up kids. Girl has why, fucked up kids. That's why you make characters that are sterile, like the <laughs> and, and the guy. Botic. Judge Botic. Yeah. Why are all my characters sterile? Uh, God. For good reason. Hey, hey, you have hero now, and you can make up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, time to make some babies. Titan's acting, like, boy, lord, it's time to make some babies. Acting like like hero isn't really some just like construct mannequin bullshit. It's some ninjutsu puppet oh, bullshit. No, he- hero might have children. You never know. He's yeah. he's sexually promiscuous. He slept with some. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if he's admitted to doing literally dozens of people, anything's on the table. Yeah, anything is on I mean, the table. Yeah, hero, hero's a fucking wild card. He's the hero of uh, Sengoku too, man. For sure. I love yeah, I, I, hope, I hope he ends up the Shogun. <laughs> <laughs> he won't. <laughs> it might, I mean, I don't know. Who knows what will happen? You guys have to decide now. Right? I think Akame would never let that happen on principle. Well, I don't think she's going to have a choice. <laughs> we'll just have to take care of Akame then. Dun, dun, dun. Betrayal. It's betrayal. It's I need betrayal. someone to join me in my betrayal plot anyways. But cool. yeah, maybe maybe you're right, Tom. Maybe Hero is also sterile. You never know. Yeah. I mean, that's the key way to avoid Kevin from fucking your soul in later campaigns. That's not true. <laughs> no, definitely not true. I will. I will destroy everything you love. Speaking, speaking about uh, fucking your soul over, so we beat the shit out of Kane. 
You got, oh, well, 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 wait, wait, we can't. Uh, we can't Colossus Battle, <laughs> Colossus Battle was like intense. It so, was. So everyone gets like this last like scene where they get to like, you know, confess or like say goodbye and stuff. Like Vice talks to Mother Maggie about like Morgana and his like his past and you know him being a Damphier, the son of uh, uh, of Cain and stuff, and being like you know this ritual piece, this this prophecy piece to bring back the dark God and stuff. Wolfen, he, he like talks to Maho and he's able to free Geralt. Like you are able to free him from the menagerie in Velos because at that time, uh, like after you guys defeat, um, Arcadio and stuff, uh, you're able to free Velos and free Geralt. And, uh, he talks to Geralt about like, you know, this inheritance, this inheritance of like protecting, of protecting Kelda, protecting the people, being a hero and, you know, being better than him. Right. Uh, and Amelise is dead at this point. Um, <laughs> Doc's character is a Strix with no family. Um, and, uh, Maho, Maho and Wolfen like talk, you know, Maho was just like, she's like a commoner from Chusei. <laughs> as Dylan said, she started out as a mooch. Yeah. Like- yeah. Like, I, I kind of wish I did more backstories of Maho because, like, I think originally yeah. it was just, like, she's a mooch. And, like, she definitely, like, made friends at a party, but I don't think I ever really, like, made a lot yeah. of what if she's What if she's from the Masa Mura, but but she wasn't allowed to practice magic for some reason oh. or oh, another? Oh, I'm, I'm throwing oh. some backstory shit into play, my post. So oh, well, I hope, I hope we get that okay. soon. Not like she's going to show up in Sengoku 2. That'd be crazy. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> she's on the moon! <laughs> No, yeah, she's on the moon chilling. From the moon, yeah, she's this hot bunny girl now. Sorry, guys. Yeah, she, she's on the moon chilling with the Andalarians. God, yep. the uh, the play-by-post, like talking about that, like like I want I want to hear Matt explain what he knows about the play-by-post just from us talking about because it. it must be fucking. <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea what's going on. Oh man, it's okay. Neither is the party. Yeah, All right, really. So- so, no so, clue. so we have our last goodbyes and uh, you have your last goodbyes and then everyone gets onto the airship because they're also outside. Wolf and straight up awkwardly try to be like, you know, I have feelings for you, Maho, and her being like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. Because yeah. Wolf and the whole time was like, all right, magic bitch, do the magic. I need the magic. And Wolf's I need like, the magic. I have do feelings the magic. for you. And like, Maho's like, what? What? <laughs> no, you didn't. Like, like I, a wand? Like someone has feelings for a magic wand? And Wolfen's <laughs> like, no, I love you. And Maho's like, please, uh, me. I, I have to go. <laughs> I have a thing over there. I have to, I, I, I have to literally bye. leave this planet. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, but yeah, so, so everyone gets on this airship. The hardest ghosting, literally leaving the planet. <laughs> Astronauts don't even have that level of ghosting available. They, can, they eventually uh, have to come back. They they fly. They fly at the Colossi. They fly at this badass clockwork Colossi. And uh, Castle is uh, with the uh, with the party at this point. And I think he says that uh, that because of his bloodline, he can't fight Kane. But instead, he goes to deal with the other Colossi, the second Colossi. That is being sent to Dorder. And so the party go to the one on Velos that is he- the one that's heading towards Velos and fight that Colossi. So I also had a question about this because I thought that these Colossi too were a lot of an expression of of Kane's like like resolving old grudges. Yeah. Because 
well, we'll, we'll get to it because it, go ahead with the, the airship. Cause like you guys are on the airship and airship music is playing. And uh, Curtis is like, the Colossi is immune to magical effects. We can't hit it with magic missile. And everyone's like, what do we do? How do we stop the Colossi? It's like, all right, we're going to hit it with the airship. And everyone's like, what? And it's like, it like zooms in. And it's like, don't worry, we can rebuild it. And yeah, that's what happens. So you guys crash the airship into the Colossi. Wolf just straight up gets on the front of the airship. It's yeah, like, yeah. drive me closer so I can hit it with my, hit it with sword. my sword. And it's this badass like scene where the Colossi like is attacking um, the airship. And the Colossi came out of the mountains. They ripped themselves out of the mountains because that's where they were being built. Um, and uh, they they were moving like south and like west, like one going to Velos, one going to Dorter. And um, when, when this also came, opened up the path yeah, that exactly. the uh, the enslaved dwarves have been digging from the realm of Nazlordu. So you start having undead hordes start moving towards Dorter and moving towards Sardonia. So this massive undead horde is just like rushing out of uh, this chasm, this valley that has been formed. And uh, this does remind me that, like, the Perotian Crusade was in uh, in Kelda at this point, and they were like fighting Cain and they were fighting the undead. And Vice actually met like uh, the Crusade like leader, and he got like his own like celestial armor and stuff like that. And they were like, you know, just go out there and do your best, son. We know that you're like this weird damfier monster, but for fuck's sake, Paris <laughs> believes in you, so we also have to believe in you. Also, Wolf and awkwardly like. <laughs> or, well, I guess it was earlier in the campaign be like, yeah, um, Peros. Dude, yeah, Peros. people, <laughs> so, whatever. Well, the, the Perosian Church, they're way, there's plenty of corruption in the Perosian Church, okay? Yeah, there definitely is a lot of corruption. And, and Walter was, was the most uncorrupt. Peros well, that was the thing, too. Are... Like, the whole point of Wolf and, like, the only reason Wolf joined the Perosian Church was because it was important to Viserion. Yeah, and in fact, Wolfen, of course, had uh, Viserys' name tattooed on his chest, you know, and uh, in big uh, crypt letters. He, he had to fill in the spot that was ripped out. As all of Rose did. Sorry, go ahead, Dylan. He had, to, he had to fill in the spot that was ripped out from his previous tattoo. Yeah. I mean, he got he those tattoos Maho. back on his shoulder. <laughs> his previous tattoo was Maho, and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just like a full Steve-O-like portrait of <laughs> He's yeah. <laughs> like, I gotta cover up this chest tattoo. Uh, Vice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vice, oh, yeah, okay. Wow, this is really, in really big letters over, I don't, I can't see what's underneath it. What's don't underneath worry it? about it. Uh, okay. Um, uh, and so. Don't worry about it, I'll come to your village and start a blizzard. Jeez. <laughs> so, so the, the crusade is all like fighting He's undead, and that's when Vice actually meets Uthain, U- uh, his uh, his dwarven paladaddy. Uh, Palad paladaddy. He had actually joined up with the Crusade and had survived this entire time. And he joins up, and when the airship crashes into the Colossi, Uthain is like fighting the undead, and he also like climbs up the Colossi with his axe in his mouth, and he's like, "I don't know how, but I will fight." Uh, and the party go into the heart of the Colossi, and they fight. Uh, the Jarl, uh, Jarl Magnier, who is uh, uh, Wolfen's granddad. granddad. Yeah. His granddad, who had uh, who Cain had turned into like this crazy giant heart pump, like a soul engine for the Colossus. Yeah, yeah. And so, at the same time, the party also fought Lord Tardale, Part Two. 
Yes. With no magic. Well, yeah, th- there's some magic, because I, I remembered very... Oh, it, del- it was because the exterior, we couldn't use it, but yeah. at the very like heart of it, we could, because it needed the magic to f- run the Colossus and the anti-magic zone around the outside yeah, of it. Because if I remember, the Jarl specifically kept trying to summon other ice giants or some someone else, yeah. and I kept using a wall of force to block them off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's, that's right. good. But this was part of like my hell of a drug. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. God. So that was a. Uh, this was part of like my idea or my thought about Kane. Like even with being enthralled to Lord Tardale, like working out his old grudges because like y'all Magnier is an asshole. He was. He was a fucking <laughs> like, asshole. Oh, yeah. he, he was he's an asshole to God too. Yeah. 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 And like he's a terrible person. Like yeah. just like terrible and like the only reason we didn't like end up killing him is because we managed to make like a political Kane wanted to kill him for a really long time yeah. like, even, the, the even entire time the Kane meeting, wanted to kill him yeah even after the initial meeting from like Geralt Kane's like he's just an ice giant let's just kill him <laughs> and Geralt's just like no we should no, make no. Pe- give peace plus, a chance plus his daughter's hot and like Kane's like Jesus Christ are you serious god <laughs> damn it Geralt <laughs> it's like Kofu what do you think and like Stoneface Kofu is like staring at them <laughs> Is he saying yes or no? <laughs> I can't tell. All I smell is <laughs> tapioca and prune. <laughs> but, um, and uh, yeah, so after defeating the Jarl and finally defeating Lord Tardale and uh, vanquishing him, uh, the party go up to the top of the, uh, the Colossus. And... Um, at the top of the Colossus is this incredibly drawn out three-phase fight with Magister Kane, where oh first it starts out with him in like Colossus armor, like using a part of the Colossus to fight the party. Then it's uh Kane like fighting the party as like the Magister. And I think at this point, he was like he was like a spellcaster, basically. He's and, a magus. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's a magus. Uh at this point. Uh, Vice, Vice's mom actually gets summoned as a uh, psychopomp. So Morgana appears as a psychopomp to help the party like fight like the undead, like undead summons and all this other stuff. All these other vampires. Um, psychopomps are dope at that shit. Psychopomps are dope as fuck. And then the final phase of the fight where uh, Kane uh, like armored himself in like the black steel armor and uh, fought the party as, like, this incredibly powerful Eldritch Knight guy. Uh, during this time, it, there was a lot of fucking on people. A lot of damage was done. Uh, the uh, adamantine double blade that Wolfen yeah. was using was, uh, like, triggered as a lightning rod, so Kane just got, like, a free lightning blast on Wolfen every turn while he was wielding it, and it was yeah. cursed, so he couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, he was, like, trying to use the, like, the Hydra Blade, and the thing was just, like, locked in his hand. Yeah, and then finally, Wolfen uses the Hydra Strike and uh, destroys Kane's armor, and, like, Kane, like, falls to the ground, and uh, Vice, like, comes up to him, and uh, Kane, like... He, he says that he's, like, glad that it's Vice who's going to finish him off and will finish his legacy. Dun, dun, dun! Legacy of K! And Vice stabs him. And then Vice, Vi- fucking stabs Vice him. earns his spot in the orphan club. <laughs> <laughs> Vice is now fully orphaned! Um, 
Is it also, really, is it really or being an orphan if you mix uh, matricide and patricide? I'm pretty yeah. sure you're just a I'm killer. It's the corrosion right? way, okay? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you gotta kill your parents. Actually, Vice was twice orphaned. He was orphaned at first, got his parents, and then got orphaned again. And then also got foster orphaned because he lost his foster parents, too. Well, Utain survived, I think. Yeah. Who's in survive? Yeah, and yeah. so did Mother Maggie. So yeah. They uh, both survived, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Vice yeah. is only two Vi- layers of orphan, not 2.5. Uh, okay. Um, and when Vice deals the final blow with uh, Necrus, uh, Kane tells him how he can use Necrus. He he created like a, a control key for Necrus to like control the Colossi and tells Vice how he can use it to uh, make the Colossi like return to the gap in the mountains and uh, seal it back up, basically, and seal up the value of that. So that's how we fix Sengoku. We find that, and then we fucking Gurren Logan the shit out of everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All we need is some soul engines. Why do you think I've been studying the necromancies? Uh, Right, right. So Vice uses Necrus, and he uses it as like a key to power the Colossi. And it returns to the uh, the mountains and like seals up the hole in the mountains. And then when Vice and Wolfen and Maho come down off of the uh, off of quick questions, yeah. So my my thought earlier was who was the Soul Engine in the other Colossus because we never found out who it was. So those are actually the uh, the eight uh, headmasters of Kick. Um, because Kane had also converted them to uh, his side, basically, and each one of them had like chosen to follow Kane, giving him giving them the opportunity as like exiles from like the Mages Union and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, they followed him like in his like uh, mad mad plot, and uh, were like powering the other Colossi. They all died. Yeah. 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 Spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, so coming down from the Colossi after we plug the gap. That just sounds like a great opportunity for eight liches. <laughs> it, or, it wasn't eight, but it was like the number. There was like a headmaster for each school of magic. I think it's seven or eight of them. Yeah, yeah. Except uh, there wasn't one for necromancy because that was Morgana, and we all know what happened to her. Seven liches, one robot. Matricide. Yeah. Beep, beep. Beep, boop, meow. Uh, and so you guys come off of the Colossus, and this is the final battle of uh, of Blood Price, where uh, when the Colossi like returns, the undead like necromantic power on the mountains has like reached its peak. Vice looks out over Kelda and all the death and destruction that has been wrought by the Chusans, by Red Glacier, by the Dorminians, by the Paladins, by the undead, by the party. And all of that death and destruction like finally comes up into him. And he starts to become, he was all, all along this vessel for Nazlordu. And uh, he feels like he's transforming into Nazlordu and he becomes, he actually does become like a, a shadow. Avatar. An avatar of, uh, of Nazlordu. And starts casting like Finger of Death and all this stuff, like trying to kill Maho and trying to kill Wolfen and stuff. And sucking up all of the life and like the uh the region and growing larger and larger and then vice sad bro time vice finally realizes what he must do and he takes necris and you know still with that golden voice in his ear 
the uh, the miracles of uh, the sun, like on his face, he stabs Necris into his heart and uh, pays the blood price and kills himself before before the avatar of Nazlordu can fully form and it like is destroyed, dissipates. See, he would kill not only his mother and his father, but also himself. The complete package. <laughs> Truly a saint. <laughs> yeah, and actually, yeah, so that that like act of sacrifice uh, was witnessed uh, and is actually one of the reasons why uh, Vice becomes a saint, actually, in Paros. He becomes like a, like the Black Moon Saint or whatever, the Black Sun Saint, whatever. The saint of, like, sacrifice, basically. Yeah. Literally all Wolford remembers about it is his best friend dying because his whole family was assholes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Turns out all those people you loved for, like, 20 years, all of them assholes. <laughs> but, uh, fun story, uh, Vice sacrifices himself on the mountain, but when the Night Lord took him, the Night Lord created a clone of Vice. And so when Vice dies on the mountain a different vice wakes up back in Dragonhold, but one that doesn't remember his name or his past or his relationship with Wolfen, but still has like the blood of like the Night Lord and stuff like that and becomes the Black Steel Saint. I guess at this point, like his soul is still in there. So like he still could end up being another avatar of Daz Lordu if the right situation. He can still, uh, he can still cast up corrosion magic. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. God, World War Five is uh, fucked up. Everyone's gonna die. Uh, yeah. And then here starts Wolfen's sad, sad. Yeah. So then, so then we come into the aftermath of things. So that's what happens to Vice. Uh, he sacrifices himself, but far, far away from the battlefield, Vice is reborn as a, a tool. And once again, he becomes a tool of the Night Lord. Um, and uh, Wolfen and Maho, well, they have a talk. <laughs> <laughs> they have a well, Starbucks. This is a weird so, way uh, honestly. Yeah, because like let's if I remember correctly. That was like the most like I, I when it happened, I was like I was surprised, but I was also like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, so like it's like in character. So like jump in, what? That was a like that was a moment too. We like you know, so in the pro in the like the process of like a week, you know, his dad still survives somehow. I honestly don't know how Geralt survived this whole situation without getting like murder boundered like the rest of his family. But like Geralt's like one of the only characters like of like the whole thing who just like survived long enough to retire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you know. His dad has his whole issue, but he's never really looked at his dad like that or whatever. His grandpa is straight dead. Probably for uh, Yeah, regardless, like, he was still Wolfen's grandpa, so he's, like, that part of his family, you know, that half, or that frost giant side. Like, his mom is obviously very different from uh, his grandpa, but still. I forget, like, Geralt's connection with his family wasn't super great either, so I don't think Wolfen he, ever get to meet that side he was an orphan like he or his mom died in childbirth or died shortly after childbirth because of uh his essentially his uh like the outsider that ended up like there was some sort it was supposed to be some sort of prophecy baby but it all just kind of got fucked up and she just ended up dying like 
in childbirth and he yeah. became like an orphan. And- I can't remember if you specified which one. I, I distinctly remember joking about being a lantern archon, which are like the shittiest. That's like- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Canon. It's canon. A lantern Arkin can do two things. Fly and shoot lasers at ignore DR. That's really about yeah. it. It's well, then if you have a whole pregnant you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so if it's like and also if you get a bunch of lantern archons, you could shoot a bunch of lasers. Yeah. Go full Toho level on this. But uh yeah, like he the whole like joke about him what or like the whole like concept for the character that i thought was always was like he was kind of a joke to begin with because i always have thought parts were just jokes yeah technically <laughs> like the for the most part the sardonia campaign was pretty light-hearted other than like the characters fucking up like there was there was undead and some death and some evil stuff but it like wasn't like a particularly grimdark campaign considering so and like the whole joke was like you know the whole ch- child of prophecy kind of thing of a divine blood and it's like no he's just like that was just kind of like a fucked up thing some random outsider did to this lady and she died in childbirth so he's just kind of just a normal dude that thinks he's something special but anyway so wolf uh, not wolf yeah wolf and the uh, lava's family died that day and like i think cuz ironsides had Ironside had died and got like reincarnated, I believe. At, at some point, Doc switched back to Ironsides, I thought, or did he just reincarnate and not not reenter the campaign? I can't remember. He, he reincarnated, and then I think like we found him after, like we found out he was still alive after the campaign ended. Because he's still playing his tricks. I think what happens is uh, Ironsides gets resurrected and starts working for the Steel Legion. And like he decided not to come back to uh, because he has specifically Ironsides was just a regular dwarf, right? But when he gets resurrected as Lord Ironsides, he actually gets put into like partial golem armor, basically. Right. And if I remember correctly, like he had this like he had this grudge against the Night Lord that he was trying to build up like this like underground way of like destroying uh the night lord um and that was like one of the reasons why he just decided never to come back to dorminia or never to come back to sardonia with wolfen who was like you know oh my friends are dying please come back (laughs) and he essentially just was like nah i'm gonna stay in stay in uh stay in uh dorminia and like run the bar essentially or do whatever and like work with the steel legion and he's like okay Okay, yeah. all my friends are gone early, and like Annalise, I like think, just disappears. I think what actually happens is uh, his wife gets killed. Yeah, yeah. His yeah. wife is assassinated, and okay. uh, kind of knocks some screws loose. I think it. W- I think she was assassinated by like Chu Sam's maybe or something. No, oh, I thought it was. I, I thought it was. In a, I thought she also died in the fireball that killed him. Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, she also died in fire blast and. Uh, yeah, Which like fire blast was it the one that the one that also killed him? I think it was oh, the yeah. mages. No, no. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the Catherines, the Catherines hire an assassin to uh, fuck him over and uh, hit him with these fireballs. And uh, oh, those, yeah, yeah. Um, the spicy where did Catherines come from. It, it, that was like a, a side story. Yeah, it was during like the big diplomatic dinner where uh, oh, Maho right, teleported right, me to yeah. the. 
Yeah, we, yeah. we, we kind of skipped through a lot of that because it was like Dragon Hold, like kind of cheery adventures where things weren't sad, depressing, from pre stretched. All, all I really know is that when Ironside is resurrected, he doesn't have a grudge against the Night Lord, but he has a grudge against the assassins who killed his wife. Yeah. And he starts working for the Steel Legion. And in Invasion, he's like full bore, like a, a supplier for like the Steel Legion and like an yeah. arms merchant and stuff like that. Yeah. In- Invasion was like a little mini campaign we ran for Tom's bachelor party. And uh, Doc was yeah. like, hey, check out these war crimes I've been playing. <laughs> yeah. 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 He kind of went off the deep end, but uh, yeah, it's fine. And yeah. So we need, like, more, we need people like that. <laughs> right. And yeah. Uh, you know, so that's going on. And then, uh, like during the wrap up, like we're hitting all the keynotes of like what all the people are doing. And then finally there's the conversation between <laughs> Wolfen and Maho where he's like, so like, are you going to stick around? Like, will you, like, will you stay with me? And she's like, no, <laughs> it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm leaving. He's like, where are you going? I'm leaving. <laughs> Go into the fucking mood. Because I think at that point, like, Wolfen, like, pretty much never got, had anyone say no to him, pretty much. Yeah, like, pretty much up to that it's, point. It just kind of seemed like, 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 you're my girlfriend now, right? And she's like, what? No, why? Why would you say that? Man, yeah, like, that's fucking This whole brutal. thing, too, was like, you know, he's only ever been in, like, a positive feedback loop. Everything, like, everything he's ever done has only ever been rewarded and, like, made him more powerful. And he always just assumed that the reason, like, you know, Maho was, like, staying around and helping them and all that was because she had, like, some romantic feelings for him or something like that. Yeah. You know, never thought it was just because she was just like, I don't know, like, what's going on, or I just need, like, this is the winning side or whatever She's it was. Basically just, like, come from a no-name family, suddenly, like, tutoring a prince and just kind of got swept along for the ride, but still, still, like, ended up, like, getting a lot of, like, a much better quality of life despite all the horrors. Yeah, and like so, like she obviously like, had her like, own goals. Like, like they were friends, but like not the definitely not even close to what Wolfen thought was going on. Yeah. Samaho was just like, "No, you've treat you've kind of treated me like shit most of this campaign." He kind of did, so she's yeah, like, he one hundred percent did. So I'm gonna all it out now. But what if Maho was like secretly Chusein royalty in the marriage between? Wolfen and Maho brought peace to Sardonia and she's saying. <laughs> or, or she's actually Sundere and just expected Wolfen to chase her to the moon. <laughs> chase wow. her to the moon, Baka. <laughs> and Wolfen's like, how the fuck am I supposed to do that? You're the one that makes it so I can moon travel, Maho. I think canonically within, within my Ma- canon. Maho, Maho just sitting on the moon for five years like, he's not fucking coming, is he? <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe it was he's showing up. Maybe this will change based on the play-by-post, but canonically, what I saw is that Maho like saw Wolfen as like a friend and was not gonna be his lover or his no, that, 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 that's his good, pretty much, yeah, yeah. But like, but also was just like she was a commoner in Chusei, like in the Saijima lands, basically. Um, and it's kind of a, like a shitty situation. You're basically just like a snow farmer, right? And yeah. she emigrated to the north when like a lot of Chusans are like going over there. Because she's a reasonably competent wizard. And yeah, because she's be actually a very reasonably competent, competent wizard. wizard. And uh, Chusei is a little ass backwards on technology and magic because people who use magic are dangerous and they're like, oh shit, we gotta put down these weird Omnioji or whatever. They're like, listen, um, you're not a cool samurai knight, so you can keep working that turnip field. And she's like, 
I'm going to do wizard shit up north. I'm going to do wizard shit. And she like took a boat and left. And that's actually why Maho was in uh, like in the uh, north and stuff. Yeah. Also, like I think part of it from like Wolfen's side of things is like, I think with everybody like dying and leaving and just like all that stuff, he was trying so hard <laughs> to hold something on to something positive. And then, yeah, and like he just super overcompensated. Then, so, <laughs> like, so, so, Wolfen chases Maho enough. Uh, he wasn't particularly friends with uh, Doc Strix. I don't remember if Daisy was still playing at this point. He, uh, he was, but Annalise like disappeared. Yeah. Like, Annalise like, died. Annalise got her she... legs cut out on an attack opportunity. Oh, yeah, in the Red Glacier fight. Yeah. Okay. Right? Or was that the Kane fight that he like. It was, it was during the Seven Deadly Weapons like quests and stuff. Actually, it might have been during the Tardale fight. Yeah, at, at some point, Daisy got killed, and I think just kind of ducked out of the campaign for probably college reasons, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, hard to remember. It's been six, seven it's, years. It's been awesome. Canonically, Amelise uh, took her sexy witch corset and like went and like went north and stuff and disappeared. Yeah, you disappear when they bury you six feet under. So that, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. So the campaign ends Wolfen alone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So literally, it ends up with just Wolfen sitting on a or like actually sitting, not sitting on the throne because he refuses to like take over for his dad for like fifteen years, and uh, basically all of his friends that went through this giant fucking like battle war all this stuff are either dead gone or have left him and he's just all alone in the north and so finally wolfen wolfen he he defeated all of his enemies he brought peace back to his land he was the great hero that everyone wanted him to be and he had won the war and only by paying the blood price Like, on, like a completely like tragic epic, hey Doc. Oh, on a Doc. tragic epic level. Perfect timing, Doc. D- Doc's in for the conclusion wrap up. Hell yeah. The conclusion <laughs> wrap up, yeah. On like the like tragic like hero story or whatever. It's like, yeah, you did all this like amazing stuff to like save your country. All this da 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 da. But literally everything, everyone you love is either like dead or gone, and. Your family is just like, you know, you still have your family, but all your friends that you went through all this shit with abandoned you. So lonely. So very lonely. And then this began the, like, this also began the period, the 20-year period of people trying to, like, fuck over Dormit, or fuck over Sardonia. (laughs) And then Wolfen super aggressively lashing out at them, over-responding and making a lot of enemies. Okay. Also, so we're now we're kind of in the wrap up phase, but now that we got Doc here, uh, Doc, uh, introduce yourself, uh, you, your, your name, your screen name, and your character, and then we'll get like a quick little like your take on the campaign, Casquizian. Uh, okay, um, so I'm Doc. My screen name is usually Beshkin. Uh, I did three characters in this campaign, but the primary one was Malik Ironsides. Uh, was a cleric artificer dwarf, and I really broke the rules on crafting and Pathfinder <laughs> for this campaign. As one bus. It's, yeah. it's not hard, but yeah, you can break It's tradition for any far line game. Except I took it to the extremes in this game. 
uh, I charged you guys half price, whatever the crafting cost was, because I could craft it at 10% of the cost, pocket 40%, still save you guys half, and I could basically craft any item in the game in a day if I wanted to. The really expensive stuff took like a week, maybe a week and a half. Yeah, we I were, really broke the rules on this one. We were we were tricked yeah. out gear wise. That's pretty sweet. I don't know. The the this campaign for me was a lot of really notable moments. Uh the party in Dragonhold yeah. where Maho teleported Wolfen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I will say now that you're here, one of my favorite moments involving you was when Kevin ruled that a bullet's count for a giant stone catching. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. Yeah, and Ben wouldn't let me catch bullets when I had the giant's mask that gave yeah, me wrong no catching. Way, of course not. No way. Hell no. Uh, Hell no. But yeah, that You ain't got no training, you ain't got no shit. Yeah, it's like, a nerd. You got a stupid fucking mask. I got crit fireballed and then secretly rezzed and kept building stuff for the party and played the Strix Gunslinger for a while. And I had two moments with this Gunslinger that I loved. The Esajumi Tomb, where I blew up Esajumi's statue and got cursed. <laughs> and Matt had to spend half his spells to get me back to functioning. Split the party and failed the feeble mind and so did Wolfen. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that confirmed that my memory was correct because I brought up feeble mind, but I was like, it was definitely Tom, but who was the other? Yeah, it was not. Yeah, because I got hit first and I remember... <laughs> and feeble mind literally doing nothing yeah. to Wolfen because yeah. who needs intelligence and wisdom when you just strong people to See, the yeah. face. We were trying to debate like if someone who had three intel two or three intelligence, if they could figure out how to fire a gun. Yes, and it ended up, I ended up beating one of the minions with a gun, but I couldn't do enough damage, or no, I couldn't hit, and she couldn't get through my DR, and I ended up, I realized that I had engineering gloves that once a day let me just understand how something worked, no matter what. Oh, yeah, I remember those. <laughs> so I was able to fire and reload my gun, and yeah, was awesome. let, let, let the gloves do all the thing. Yeah, yeah Feeble Mind takes you to Intelligence 1, which is for... I do, I do distinctly remember uh, Iron or uh, Doc Strix getting uh, Feeble Minded, and then I was like, yeah, now you don't know how to use your gun. <laughs> so yeah. But then, yeah, it was like, oh, wait, I have engineering gloves. It's like, oh, well, there you go. You'll know. Yeah. Uh, definitely so. with Intelligence one, you don't know how to use a gun. My cat yeah. doesn't even know how to turn on the laser light on the map. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and then there's Wolfen in the background, just like Mongoloid screaming as he's punching this, <laughs> punching this hydra. Yeah, so, so no difference in specifically, either. It's funny because specifically it allows you to still recognize who's your ally and who isn't your ally. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I think yeah. they had to slip that in because of not like, it's seriously, one intelligence in Pathfinder rules is like barely above being a vegetable. <laughs> Yeah, it's not yeah. good. <laughs> or it's like a a particularly intelligent potato. Yeah, and a very very stupid animal. I mean, honestly, the number one is the number you need to to do things. So that's that's exactly yeah. what it is. It's like, like, like the, you you have the bare minimum functioning. Yeah, if, I, if I remember right, uh, three is the minimum bar for sapience or sentience. Yeah. I think, yeah. and two yeah. is what you're like. Particularly smart dogs and cats operate at. So, uh, well, four is where you can start to understand languages. No, it's th 
Oh, maybe it's for threes when you qualify three, for feats. Three is feats, four is language. Well, one is autopilot. Yeah. <laughs> one, yeah. One is like uh, fight or flight. Yeah. <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. Wolfen, Wolfen knew one of those. And then the fight. I love the session where we killed off my Strix to bring Malik back in. Because that's the session where we fought the ice giants. And I remember their leader had the returning axes that he was just wrecking my Strix up in the oh, air. Oh, it, it was... Was that the fight in in the Colossus against the Jarl? No. Now there's, there's another uh, ice giant fight because I... From what I remember this, from that fight, there was ice giants that showed up and I could progressively put them into more and more walls yes. of force. <laughs> yep. Oh, it, it was... was uh, uh, you put my, them in the walls of force and then use create water to drown two of them. And then told the others they could either join us or follow their friends out. God, man, wall of force, man. Maho was like, was that the was that like uh, Wolfen's actual uncle, the like the one who was like who had ran out into the northern waste to fight Lenore Worm that had showed back up. Oh, is that, that how Maho got to space? She used wall of force to build a bridge to heaven. Yeah, yeah. She just, <laughs> just, she just walked to the moon. It only took her like twelve years. <laughs> She's like, why is that wolf in here yet? <laughs> then my final moment that I loved was bringing Malik back in and telling Kevin that, hey, the thing I've been building this entire time is a crystal golem mech suit. Yeah. For right. him to turn around and be like, well, here's my steel golem mech suit for the final boss. <laughs> and just duking it out. Yeah. yeah. I and remember... Animated swords to get flanking. I remember, uh, Doc, like, I remember in particular during that campaign period, like, I think it was towards, like, the, like, near the end of it where, uh, where, like, I had started going to school at Purdue and we, like, when they, like, we would leave at the same time and we would plot about, like, the stuff that you were doing creation-wise and I was yep. just like, yeah, that sounds awesome. And you were like, I have plans upon plans. <laughs> yep. I had so many things planned. That's where we came up with the idea for your magic tattoos. Yeah, so the uh, underwater breathing tattoos. A, yeah. a plan so good that they need to be violently removed. So many, <laughs> so many war crimes to be done. So little time. Yep. But honestly, like that was like those were those were a lot of the times where we like came up with those long term like. Uh, building plans with like what you were working on while I was out there being a dumb barbarian face tanking. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens when Malik shows back up. <laughs> you mean when he starts World of War Farline? Pretty much. All right, so Dylan, what are your like highlight moments of the? Ooh, that's a good. That's cool. Yeah, we should definitely do highlights for each person. Uh ooh, that's a good one. I. Honestly, we're, I think we're all of us are going to see this, but I really do like the moment of teleporting Wolf into the room. It's yeah. one of the best. It's it was so best. perfect. It, it, it is, it's one of those moments that like distinctly stick out in like my mind as like an event. It's like there's it's, it's in like the hollow halls of that and violently electrocuting my own horse with a rod. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, horse. Can't run if you're dead. <laughs> yeah, God, I'm gonna we're gonna bully Matt one of these days to do uh one of these on uh, that Karamaga campaign because holy shit can't <laughs> yeah. That campaign was awesome. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I I really like that. That's probably my favorite. So, uh, my first favorite has to be like the duel with Kofu of me like 
of me getting to like try to one v one him with like because at that point too like I had been hard like stacking like strong powers and magic and such from being the blood rager getting the hydra blade and all this stuff and still realizing oh shit Kofu's gonna dump this shit out of me <laughs> and just having that like slap check of realizing. You know, Wolfen could die here. Yep. Yeah, it was that was it's awesome. Like, it's like three, it was like four or five sessions before the end of the campaign. And I was like, oh shit, I could actually die here. <laughs> I think that was just like one of the highlights to me because I was just like, but the oh yeah, I'm gonna have a blizzard, and then I'm like, I I can't I can't he's getting two turns and I can't hit him. Like I could only hit him with like one of my attacks, and he's two levels higher than me. It has like 60 more health. I'm already down to like a quarter health. Guys? <laughs> yeah. I love duels in Kevin's campaigns. They always go poorly for... Has, has anyone won player. a duel in Kevin's campaign? Like Braxton. Yeah. Braxton is like the only one because he crit yeah. twice in a row. Uh, I won against the Frost Giant and um, Farline won, but only oh. because... I oh yeah, you got a bunch around. of crits. Yeah. Okay. After he got a bunch of crits, it was a really close thing. Yeah. I was at negative two health. <laughs> so, so it's winnable, but only if you roll like a motherfucker. Roll like a Which motherfucker. historically, has, has at not... least recently, we do not. Yeah, no, God, no. All right, so uh, Matt, what's your least favorites? What's your what's, what's your favorites? Well, I I don't remember everything as well as everyone else. I'm not sure if I was like fucking drunk during all of this but oh, no. i really love vice uh and a lot of that has to do with the character art that kevin or the character arc that kevin uh did so great and uh yeah. i felt like it was really awesome playing basically this orphan kid who has like these two loving like adopted parent uh, parents who adopt doesn't know who he is he goes out with he is able to save his mother and his father from their, you know, curses, yeah. albeit probably not totally, but at least on this world, saved them by letting them move on. Um, yeah. And then also like, had the conviction to, you know, do something heroic uh, for the betterment of, like, the world, you know, by killing sacrificing himself so i i love i mean it's hard to say that like viserys like sacrificing himself isn't my favorite moment in the whole in the whole game i gotcha just actually i definitely feel like it was like a natural completion to that storyline too i'm interested to hear to see what the new vice will be because i mean it sounds like he still has the same like soul and uh, it'll be interesting see how the night ward thinks he's going to be able to use here's actually a question that i'm thinking about how much of that was like a pre-planned and b like how much did you guys collaborate on because from our perspective like we didn't see any of the behind the scenes it just sort of happened in game so well like typically i would say i give Kevin like a very broad general character like that i that i want to play so i think probably the the extent of the character I gave Kevin was I want to be a, a like morally challenged, like worshiper of a good God, but I'm not accepted in the faith because I have this innate 
And then Kevin just takes it away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I knew that's how Blood Price ended from like day one. So okay, yeah. So I'm pretty sure like I give Kevin the like just a very I give Kevin just a very like general idea of the character I want to play, and and Kevin Kevin comes up. Not, not like not like I went into like the campaign like thinking like oh it's gonna end with Matt's character sacrificing himself, right? Well, when I first started playing the campaign, I'm like, okay, well, this is what I want to do with it. This is like my ideas. This is like the final boss, like what that's going to be, what all the enemies are going to be. I had like the major arcs planned out. And then after Matt told me about his character, I'm like, well, that's perfect. That's exactly what I want. <laughs> it all just fits in. You know, I just make it all fit in. So something I did want to specifically point out, Matt, is that I have always been a huge, uh, huge fan of how well you role play adapt to whatever situation Kevin has thrown at you. And like you, you just so naturally like roll into whatever he's doing and like, just that's like, how roll. you play in Kevin's campaigns. Just fucking like the thing about Kevin's campaigns is if you, if you play into what he's got going, the story, he will give you so much power. <laughs> <laughs> like, like That's, that's what I love that's doing true. is because like, Kevin doesn't like I I okay so just a tiny background on my like role playing experience so I'm like a huge rules lawyer and I always was and I think part of the reason that I've moved on from that I'm a lot I'm uh is because of Kevin's DMing like learning about like what it really means to role play and you know when you're in Kevin's campaigns play to play to his hand he he will give you so much power if you if you play into his story. For example, if he builds a campaign that's revolving around putting the shogun on the on the throne, you make your character all about that. Fucking Nagashi Akame love story. Oh baby, it makes sense now, which which terrifies me about the potential secret depths that hero. Uh, hero. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, well, that's exactly it, right? You make mm-hmm. a campaign about the division and corruption in Chusei. You make a character all about division and corruption. <laughs> <laughs> what y'all talking about? Hero is the most so, uh, sorry, yeah. uh, uncorrupt, the most pure, the most, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he's a hero. He's a real yeah. hero. He only accepts the purest black tar <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's oh. it's it's great, man. Play play in a cat's hand, and he will give you so much power. Yeah, and uh, still, I I agree that you definitely have loosened up on your rules lowering, sort of. It's yeah, very I was, different. I was now. toxic. I was toxic. It, it's a hundred percent different now. I think a part of it is that being in the new edition, it is such a thing that we're all learning, and now it's like. But even before that, you had basically relaxed to just be like, okay, like this is like whatever rule you're using, like we'll like look at it and make sure we're using it right. But it, it wasn't such a, a, I don't know. I guess you used to be a little bit um actually kind of. Well, but yeah, I know. I got to give credit to Dylan too because Dylan's campaign styles, Dylan's D&D styles, Dude, he always yeah. uses non-Pathfinder rules. And like yeah. Dylan is also like, Dylan's, if it, 
Dylan kind of, I feel like, sometimes follows the rule of cool, where it's like, if you want to try it... Dylan embodies the rule of cool. Dylan's, Dylan's, like, campaigns are some of the most, like, wacky and, like, craziest and coolest campaigns. Like, you know, I I can't even imagine, like, some of the stuff you come... Like, some of the stuff's in, like, EX Caliber and stuff like that. I'm just like, man, man, this is is ridiculous, you know? Yeah. I will say, though, like, EX Caliber being, it like, Mutant to Mastermind definitely gave a lot more, like... Gave a lot of uh, like allowance, I guess, for like that wackiness to just like completely evolve. And it's not anything where it's like, oh, I'm bending these rules or whatever. It's just still be like, yeah, do 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 what you want to do. It it would be a spaceship because here are the rules to make that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all dreams. All right, I I will say though, I am once Shadow's done, Ex Calibers decks on the dogger for podcasting, so that'll be fun. I, oh, yeah. I, I do want to more recent too, so our memories will be a little cleaner. Right. Yeah, and get and get Malcolm in here. So oh, we no, can I, mean, I mean, I mean, I'm going to make like audio years. uploads. We can do like group get-togethers and stuff too. But this is going to be like actual, like like what I'm doing with shadows now, full logs. Oh man, dude, just the <laughs> Malcolm. Like, okay, so I I just love the fact the like the the time that Malcolm just seeing his like change as a role player being from like completely like no role playing experience kind of stuff to where he is even now, like yeah. just like the, the change and the progress and like the, the yeah. learning curve. It's certainly, I picked a weird campaign to get his, to cut his teeth on. <laughs> like, yeah. And like the thing was too, like it, it kind of like he he got into it in such a way that like it was a really weird and goofy and we were like definitely i feel like we were playing around a lot and he just like got into it and like played around himself with his character got used to like playing like into like a role or whatever and figuring out what he wanted to do with it and then and then emotion like got into it like story-wise and emotionally wise and then now he has moyasu who is like by far or not by far but he's you know one of my favorite things of uh sengoku too he's the most like invested too he got he's he's yeah deep. oh yeah malcolm is blessed because i feel like malcolm has a lot going for him like not only is malcolm an awesome guy he's also like he's a thespian and not only that but like i mean i say that in a very like i don't really know like malcolm's background but i know he did theater Mm-hmm. And and also he's a new role player, so he has that new role player excitement. Yeah. So it's really fun to see Malcolm's characters we're, because we're all, we're all yeah. whereas the rest of us are dead inside. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, for, things change over time. It, it's like really perfect for me because like yeah, Malcolm is coming in with like so much enthusiasm to like explore the space of like Moyasu and me coming at it. Then I have like all this ammunition to just really build that character arc because I think of all the characters that I've planned in like Sengoku 2, it's like like Matt said, for me, whatever the player puts into it, I want to give back like twice as much as I can. And I want to give like that opportunity to like explore and role play and have fun. And so with Malcolm, he's like put I mean he writes a he writes a journal entry every week with and it ends with like a haiku and he like makes up like songs and stuff there's like ms paint art like he's really into into like his character and stuff so which is I really so awesome. it's awesome i love seeing yeah. yeah but also a bit like that is something that that i've been wanting to do as well as to get a little more into it but like you know 
uh, having a lot going on in the last couple uh, couple months or whatever. But you know, being able to put, I think definitely in this next like section of yeah. Sudoku two, I feel like I yeah. definitely have a lot more room to yeah move around with with uh he and all that stuff so i'm excited you guys are like you guys are in the second part like the second arc of sengoku um you guys are like a real fighting force now you guys are level five which is what you were at the start of sengoku one yeah yeah at like the beginning of the whole sengoku now you can really start to explore and make a difference and this is what i was saying where you guys just kind of had to hold on and see like how the story is like building up to this point, because now you're at the center of the whole shit fuck and have to decide which direction to go in, which, which problem to tackle first, what, what order of operations to do things in and how that will affect like the whole, the whole campaign. I also have just like, now I feel like is like a good story time to really like move into what I thought was going to be a very interesting storytelling opportunity, at least for me is investigating that relationship that he actually has with uh, Tenzin. And now he has like an opportunity to actually be able to talk to his brother again, where he's not, like he's still afraid for his life because his stepmother is a fucking psycho. Yeah. But <laughs> like, it, ha- it happens. You know. He at least yeah. has like he has like solid support. He's backed by the shogun now. Yeah. Like he, you know, he they have a military force that's officially backed and whatever that he can, you know, he can rely on to help him if like she comes after. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So right. now he feels like he can actually like reach out again. All right, getting us a little back on track. I'm not. I'm keeping. Most, oh, yeah. I, I'm all keeping right. all that in because it is good stuff. But I do want to wrap this around a little bit. Doc, yeah, what's your, sure. what is your favorite moment of this campaign? Honestly, my favorite moment was Maho teleporting away Wolfen and leaving Malik behind <laughs> with the diplomats because that just led into so much of i mean my death and then my return and the plotting i did in the background well i can't even imagine what the outcome would have been like if i if he'd actually let me jump all the way over there and just fucking bisect i think it would have started an international incident like yeah i'm pretty sure karis would have killed us yeah it would have been it would not have been very good yeah yeah because killing the I mean, we did end up killing the leader of a country, but that time we were asked to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Kevin, what is your favorite moment from the campaign as, as oh. the man upstairs? I think uh, I have three like favorite moments, and they're all like boss fights. The first one is definitely the attack on the Yomi Castle and like the fight with uh, Helgana and Shokushira and Wolfen finally getting the Hydra Blade. And... Um, that same fight where like castle like time teleports away like the void guy and stuff and you guys are all fighting in like this other timeline stuff it's really it was really cool i actually um, had a question about that yeah like did you have the idea of having uh wolf and get the hydra blade like when did that idea come about uh yeah so i never really thought like whenever whenever i like start like a campaign Typically, I have the beginning 
in my head and I already have like the final boss like in my head, right? And everything in the middle just kind of comes together as a story like evolves and like the characters interact and stuff like that. Wolfen getting the Hydra Blade was never really on my docket of like, like when I started that campaign, I was like, oh yeah, Wolfen's going to go to Chusei and get the Hydra Blade. I didn't think of that. But as like time went on, and Wolfen did a shtick where he was like swinging around the double blade and fighting the Chuseans, and he had like this hatred, especially after uh, the Yoshihisa like Navy battle and talking to like the rogues table and stuff. When he had like his hatred for Chusei, he started thinking like, oh, maybe Wolfen could be like a candidate for wielding the Hydra Blade. And the Hydra Blade was like this artifact level weapon that needed to be in someone's hands eventually. Putting into Wolfen's hands was pretty good, He's and it also, also uh, kind of set up like the future events of Sengoku because very early on, I guess I knew that eventually I wanted to do like a Chusei campaign, and having the Hydra Blade, the symbol of like Chugo's power, away from Chusei helped throw it into conflict, basically. Yeah, because then they couldn't rely on their fancy gear to get him out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Instead, just war. And the Hydra Blade is super fancy gear to be sure. Yeah, but now Wolfen's dead, so I mean, I don't know. the Hydra Blade's gone. So. There's another no. Wolfen's dead, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah, no, he's definitely, he's definitely dead, yes. Right, yeah. So, uh, why does oh, other, what other two moments? Uh, and then the other one was, um, I think when uh, Vice like met Morgana after the first Tardale fight and he kills Morgana, and later she shows up as a psychopomp. And actually helps you guys fight the undead. And that was like a really that was like a really big moment because Vice went through like the whole campaign, you know, thinking like he didn't have he was like an orphan. Like sure, he was raised by the church and stuff, but to a certain extent he was he was just a church orphan. And realizing that like Morgana had been like she had been giving money to the church the entire time. She had been watching over Vice like the whole time that he was like in Velos and like in a way protecting him. And when she like came back as like a psychopomp and stuff like that, it was like kind of like a really beautiful motherly moment. He was I guess. never truly alone. Yeah. Until and then small, but... the the last one. I mean, I have to include Maho teleporting, of course. That's <laughs> one of the best. But but the the last one that is like probably my favorite moment was definitely that final battle uh, against uh, Kane because uh, I really like boss battles and I feel like that boss battle was. It was like three phases and each phase was like pretty distinct and like was pretty challenging in each like in each like phase, basically. Um and then that, that final moment where like Vice finishes off Kane is like just like, you know, gives me shivers. So cool. Epic. Yay. And they lived happily. Oh, everybody's dead. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> That's blood price. Things Everyone got, paid the blood price. Fucked up from there. Yeah, uh, so yep. I I guess that's technically it. Um, yeah, so thanks. Probably unless you guys have anything like other closing thoughts, we can sort of enter a wrap up. Goku was a badass. Yeah, yeah. I, I yeah, I am kind of curious. Like, I, he it, was a champion, so he did get like two turns. He he had two initiative counters every turn, and uh, okay. while he was on his horse, he could like do like wheeling charges and stuff. Like he would charge in, attack. Right, ride back, charge back in, ride back, get the charge bonus. Kind of wondering, like, I'm kind of wondering, like, Bushido, like, what would Kofu do after he was resurrected from the dead? Kind of like didn't 
hide his glorious right. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe he just wandered into the, like, into the frozen waste, died yeah. of exposure. I, I mean, Chusei is still alive. He could go back home, technically. No, nah, he's... No, I don't think he would. I think he would want to die. No. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not an expert in Bushido. I mean, it's your character. It's it's up to you. Well, uh, he kind of is my character, but kind of not also. Well, I mean, also at this point, he'd be something like 110 oh, or something. I mean, definitely he's probably dead by now, but maybe not. I think he's dead. I almost want to say at this point, it seems like two Saiyans have the longest life expectancy in our life. That's because they live purely off of hate and civil war. Yeah, that's true. Everyone, everyone else is too soft. Maybe, maybe that's Tuesday's secret advantage. They just need to get some like super soldier bullshit because everyone always like already lives like a fuck long time. Yeah, Tuesday uh, <laughs> is just like this infinite battleground. It's like uh, to it's be like, honest, like, like a lot of Eastern samurai, Europe. a lot of these samurai with like their magical swords and like lineages and stuff like that are kind of like super soldiers. So, so, so we just need to find. I think really Chusei needs power armor. That's what it really needs because they're basically <laughs> the, the the foundation for space games is there. We just need to fit <laughs> these guys in power armor. Yeah. Listen. Also, also, just a comment on the, on the Chusei lifestyle. It, like, I mean, it does kind of make sense because like Japanese people have like an exceptional life, uh, like span, long yeah. life expectancy. So it kind of <laughs> translates. Though whatever 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 Chusei lacks in like technology, it like makes up for in spirit, pure spirit, especially magical spirits, especially spirits. Fucking Nagashi. Which will which will give, give us a preview. I think our next podcast will be Sengoku. Sengoku one. Sengoku Ooh, okay. That sounds so awesome. I, I think yeah, that's nah. that, that's sort of plan we've been wanting to do is to kind of go and do every single campaign. That makes sense. Leading uh, up to Sengoku. But we're good. We're gonna do Sengoku one, which will probably take at minimum three episodes, I'd imagine. Where we'll hit up my least well thought out character, and then into one of my half assed most characters, who was an icon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then we, we we everyone gets to meet best boy Noghot, the uh, yeah. <laughs> no. green yeah. Jesus, the hero you say needs. Right. He indirectly yeah. saved Moyasu's life, kinda. And Agakis multiple times um, directly. Uh, <laughs> Not really, though. I mean, without him, uh, Moyasu would just be some wandering bandit fuck nobody. Um, that's yeah, not necessarily that's, true. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. He's important now. He knows the truth now. It's it's fine. Yeah, and then, and then so 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 plan wise, we'll probably do that at some point. I'm not going to give times because scheduling people outside of our sessions is hard. I would say I would like to do maybe a episode in between of just like us talking shit about characters because I think we we kind of delved into that a little bit. I think that'd be a fun topic, and we can get like the whole crew in on that. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll keep everyone in this group posted and I'll keep you guys posted on our Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah, follow us on Twitter. Chill, 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 chill. chill, chill. chill. So our Twitter which, chill, chill. Uh, is uh, Salt in Sorcery at Twitter. We also are Salt in Sorcery on Twitch and you can sur- uh, search Salt and Sorcery on YouTube because we don't have enough subscriptions yet to get a cool URL, but we will soon maybe. I don't know. Uh, other stuff. Don't let your dreams be memes. The the website's technically done. I just need to post that, and then maybe we can like clutch together a wiki at some point, Kevin. So we might want to do that eventually. Yeah, a wiki would be really good. I've been thinking about yeah. starting a wiki. Yeah. Uh, do we have anything else to shill? If not, I think 
Does uh, he- I'm Last Rock Yourself. Follow me on Twitter. I post anime titty. Please follow me. Thank yeah. you. Just a single titty, but no nipples. Yeah. So yeah. it's safe for work. Yeah. Thank you. I'm technically on Twitter too at Halbernock. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how to spell that. <laughs> Please follow me. Retweet. Thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, so I- I'm Unplayable Trash Band on Twitter. I infrequently post memes about Raccoon. Send, send Matt uh, raccoon pics. You'll be eternally grateful. Yeah, I'm not on Twitter, but I'm considering making a return just to follow the onion. So yeah. don't don't follow me. Don't do it. It's not yeah. worth it. Yeah, I think but... she'll not. Nope, I'm good for now. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Bye bye. All right. Thanks. Damn it. <laughs>